Oh, come on, phone. What's wrong? Sprint turn. This smartphone is not smart. Then switch to Sprint and get a brilliant iPhone XR for just $15 a month. $15 a month? Now that sounds smart. Switch to Sprint and get the brilliant iPhone XR for just $15 a month. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800 Sprint One. Phone $15 per month after $16.25 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires 24 month installment. Calling if you cancel early. Remaining balance two. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Exclude tax. $30 activation fee. Restrictions apply. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24 month installment billing. No trade in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic, after 63020, pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. It is I, Stephen Jodrand. Joining me, as always, is Jake Watroba and Ramon Kafai. And yes, we're chatting U.S. Men's National Team on today's episode. Now, before we get to that, follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. Go back, listen to our chat about the U.S. Youth National Team performance at the U20 World Cup in Poland. And be on the lookout for our interview with Las Vegas Lights FC owner Brett Lashbook later this week. Now, fellas, we're not going to do any pleasantries. We're doing fine. We're here. We're chatting U.S. men's national team. And let's get straight to it. And let's talk about the friendly that actually happened last week against Jamaica where they lost 1-0. And, Jake, you called this an embarrassing loss. Yeah. I mean, how can you not look at it and say it was an embarrassing loss? And, I mean, quite frankly, I, I almost think embarrassing It might be an understatement here. I mean, let's face it, you guys. They lost to a Jamaican side that didn't even qualify for the Hex last last World Cup cycle. That's insane. You're not You wrong. cannot lose to Jamaica in that fashion. First of all, you should never lose to Jamaica on home, style, on home soil. But you should never just be completely outclassed by Jamaica. The U.S. looked completely uninterested, like they didn't want to be there, that they're – I don't even know. I, I, I literally don't really have words to say about that performance. I thought it was shameful. I thought it was disgraceful. And I think those players that put on that shirt that day – and we haven't even gotten to, to Sunday yet. But I think the players who put on that shirt should be ashamed of the performance they, 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 they turned in. Jamaica, according to the flawed FIFA rankings, are 56. And in that game, Shamar Nicholson got the lone goal. But let's turn the page to the friendly against Venezuela. In Cincinnati on Fox, sandwiched in between the Women's World Cup, the Nations League, and European Championship qualifying. And boy, was that ugly. Now, Armand. Just briefly talk about the game itself and what unfolded. 
it was funny because I was watching the game and my dad's like, you're an idiot. Why are you watching this? Like, go watch. Uh, and he changed it to Nations League. He's like, ah, oh, this is real <laughs> football right here. And I was like, oh, thanks, dad. Uh, uh, it mean, mean, means a lot. But the U.S. gave up three first-half goals, two to Salman Rondon, who actually became the leader in Venezuelan goal-scoring history. And another to Jefferson Savarino from RSL. It was a poor first half. Uh, they were down 3-0. They were booed off the pitch at halftime. Some subs were made, but they couldn't get on the score sheet. And it was a very, uh, performance, I'd say, that, you know, combined with the 1-0 loss to Jamaica, it doesn't bode well, especially because Venezuela just lost to Mexico 3-1 on Wednesday uh, in Atlanta. And what was Tata Martino showing, hey, how I can do this, you know, and actually dominating the game and looking lethal and getting opportunities. Venezuela was on the back foot for most of that match, but this match looked like they're on the front foot. Can we just talk about the fact that this game took place in Cincinnati on Fox in the middle of a massive soccer weekend, the beginning of the Women's World Cup. You have the Nations League finishing and wrapping up. You have MLS play on Saturday. You have European Championship qualifying. You have friendlies taking place across the globe you have the Copa America coming up the gold cup the U.S. women's national team kick off their campaign in their quest to capture another world cup title and here we have Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team and guys get this the attendance at Nipret this according to Nipun Chopra was 23,955 I like to bring to your attention that FC Cincinnati versus the Columbus Crew, the team that we have constantly ragged on on this show, drew 30,000 in 2017 on a Wednesday night. I, I don't even think this is an issue of ticket prices. I just think the people are disinterested in the U.S. men's national team, especially in these friendlies. I think there is a massive disinterest in this team. I would argue with you. I think it's ticket prices. Um, I think it's I think it's clear that the U uh, U S Soccer Federation is pricing their team uh, at a ridiculous rate. Um, I'm willing to bet you, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. And my buddy actually went to the Nations League match between uh, Portugal and the Swiss. He said he paid thirty bucks. I'm willing to bet you that every ticket that stadium was worth more than thirty bucks, which For I think is Portugal, ridiculous. Portugal, Switzerland. Thing about. Uh, yeah, so he's paid, paid 30 bucks for Portugal, Switzerland. Right, but, but what's, what's, the US, what's the point? I'm saying the U.S. pricing are higher What Armand is trying to say is you can go and see great football, Portugal versus Switzerland, and pay less money than you would to see the U.S. get stomped by Venezuela. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take my take back slightly. It's, a, it's the combination of ticket prices and the disinterest because the team – somewhat sucks and when have they actually been relevant when's the last time you said the u.s men's national team is something worthwhile watching yes we do a soccer podcast and yes we're glued to the tv every time they come on but to the neutral fan to the american fan when's the last time the u.s men's national team was relevant Uh, i would say the lead up to brazil that was probably the last time Armand, I mean, are we talking? Is Brazil okay, I, Copa I, America? I would, have, I, I, I would, I would go. I, I would have to say during qualifying. I mean, 
look, I mean, they they drew Mexico and Azteca on in what 2017, yeah? Like that's still a pretty relevant result. I think if you're like, oh, they're gonna make it to the World Cup, and then that's like the hype was starting to build a little bit until obviously it kind of derailed and went crashing down. But I think you'd have to say they were relevant in the build-up to the World Cup. I mean, being relevant because they're in the headlines, being relevant because you're good are two different things. I mean, you can talk about the result in Mexico, but let's face it, that was a fluky ass goal by Michael Bradley. They shouldn't have won that game. What? No. Oh, now now you're taking the result back. You're taking the result back against Mexico. Come on, like we sit we sit here and go, wow, man, look at they 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 walked into Aztec and got a tie. Like, come on, it took a. I took a shot from 50 or 60 sorry. yards from Michael that Bradley's was, goal. Michael Bradley's goal was not pure luck. There was some skill to it. Tactically, Bruce Arena lined his team up. It it was a thunderstorm or the correct hurricane for the right moment to play Mexico at Azteca. And by the way, uh, Nipun Chopra uh, did tweet saying, by the way, for the folks confused, I meant 2017, the U.S. Open Cup. So the U.S. Open Cup between Cincinnati and Columbus drew more than U.S. men's national team in a friendly against Venezuela. But let's move forward. And Armand, you actually rewatched the game. How Have you changed the your initial reaction from Sunday? I actually kind of have. Um, at first, I was like, wow, this is... I was like, oh, it's like initially, obviously, you go on Twitter, you're a little biased. Uh, this is a disaster, blah, blah, blah. It's a big thunderstorm in my neighborhood as well. And I was like, wow, like this whole day sucks. Like, whatever, USA is bad. But after rewatching it, and I, I've kind of discussed it with some people as well. Look, the US didn't play that bad in the first 20 minutes, but. There was one thing that really just stuck in my mind, and is as as I was watching them press, I was as I was watching Zardes run around like like a chicken with his head cut off, just running around the field. As I was watching Venezuela just easily have time to break this quote unquote press, guys, my instant reaction from that match was I think the players just selected by Greg Berhalter are just not good enough. That was the one thing that was in my mind as I was watching. It's not like the system is that bad, but I don't think they're good enough. I I just don't think they're that they're that good. It was a very meh game. It felt like everyone was going through the motions. Oh, okay, we have to step up and press. Let me just run over there and put some pressure on him. The pressure was so light. It was just so minimal. We saw it. Watch the first goal. Zach Steffen, a keeper that's uh, if a keeper has player at their feet, they know look ahead. He didn't look ahead at all. He kind of just made his predetermined like choice of. I'm going to play it in the middle like I usually do. And obviously, that got picked off. There's so many mistakes. Like, the the weird press break they had in the third goal where Venezuela broke through and this and that. It's just the team just is not good enough out there, But man. Armand, Armand, they're not they it's, good. They're not playing Brazil. They're not playing England. They're not playing Germany. They're playing exactly. Venezuela. They're, just, they're not good enough. They're not good enough. But it doesn't matter because you look at Jamaica. Look at Jamaica. They, you can sit here and say the U.S. national team sucks. We can all say that the players on the field are not that good when you take off Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams and Michael Bradley and John Brooks and whoever. Okay, we can all. I think all three of us can agree that you take away those four players, U.S. is there's not much there. But yeah, when you but look you at Jamaica side, when you look at a Jamaica, Jamaica side that 
that as a team made up solely of USL players, and even if we say this US team sucks, it still had players that were playing in MLS, that were playing very prominent roles in MLS for their teams. You look at Christian Roldan, you look at Paul Ariola, you look at, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. Let's Will Trapp, Jossie Zardes, these guys are prominent figures in their teams, and they go and play practically a USL side, and they can't even get a goal? Are you kidding me? They're just like, they're, they're, it's deeper. It's deeper than the players just suck, man. It's deeper no, than I, the players just suck. No, I think it's a mixture of both. I, I mean, it has to be like, uh, this sounds like a very cliche answer, a mixture of both. But the players are, are honestly, you look at that pitch, the, the one thing that clouded my thing was these guys aren't good. These things aren't good. Zardes, if the, if like, we're going to probably get into this later, if Altador goes down with his injury history, might, they're screwed because who's their forward, back and forward? Zardes, he's not good enough. And yes, they should get a result against Jamaica. And yes, the system that Berhalter wants to implement is too hard for these guys because they're but not good enough. It's too hard, but look at the players who are struggling the most with it, though. Look at this. Look at they're not good. Zach Steffen, the guy who's played in that system, isn't making is is just passing the ball wherever the hell he feels like. I guess he's just not making the right reads. He's just not paying attention. Will Trap, I don't. Where Will Trap has played the system, he looks like dog bleep. Will Trepp isn't good he's, enough for an international level. Yes, but it's not – like I said, he, they're not playing Germany. They're playing Venezuela. They're playing a team that has literally never qualified for a World Cup, and they got just – they lose 3 nothing at home to Venezuela, man. Like I said, this they're not – they weren't playing a world beater. They were playing a team that they can hang with, that they should be able to play with, that they should be able to beat on a regular basis at home, and they lost 3 nothing. and the players that have played – or who have had prominent roles in the system at the club level, at Columbus Crew, Zach Steffen, Will Trapp, and Jossie Zardes look terrible. But by the way, the crew weren't that good in, in the MLS. No, but come on, Armand. They have had enough time to know where they should be and how they should play, and they don't. They look completely lost out there. So They are making mistakes left and right. You just said Zach Steffen just kick the ball or pass the ball. Just be, like, he didn't even look, he doesn't make the reads. It's it, like, what is happening? It, it's, it's just, it's just a fact. I, I just, I just, uh, I mean, I, mean, it's sort of you, I was thinking they're just not good. The player pool. Like I knew it sounds like an excuse. And I mean, when Sam Stasco first got the article, I kind of, a, I was like, I don't know if I agree with you, man. I feel like it's a lot more deeper, but, man. I'm not, and Burhold was not being left off the hook either. He is, he deserves most of it. I don't think he's playing to the player's strengths and he wants to implement this. Man City style of play, yeah, with the fullback tucking in, yeah, let's do that, let's press. These guys barely know how to press. They can't even press. There's no pressure on this press. It's, it's like a it's like a press you do when you're like jogging and like a pickup game after like two months of not playing. Like that's the kind of press that, that I was seeing out there. They're I don't know how to describe it. They're just not good, and they should be getting results against Venezuela. They should be getting results against Jamaica, even if they're not playing good, but. These combination of players, man, the, the offense looked toothless. Look like there's no bite, nothing. Looked the like players who have played awful. in this system before should be the ones who should be showing out right now. And the facts of the matter is, Jossie Zardes and Will Trapp and Zach Steffen have not been doing that. And they I look, think that's very concerning. All right, bad. Wait, let. Let, let's toss this to Twitter because Twitter seems to settle all this debate. And uh, Jake, you tweeted out from the Uncle Sam handle. Uh, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, this poll question: Venezuela up three zero at halftime. You threw out the question: Is this U.S. men's national team bad currently because of 
the players or the coaching. And 57% blamed the players and 53% blamed the coaching. And, and we, the funny thing is we're well, 15 minutes into the show, whatever it may be, and we yeah. haven't even got question to the question of the day. And I think it's very much uh, irrelevant and it really talks about the blame between the coaching and the players. And uh, by the way, I definitely think you got to blame the players more so than the coaching because at the end of the day, the players are the ones on the field kicking the ball, putting the ball into the back of the net or whatever it may be. Coaches can lose games for you, but they cannot win games for you and it's up to the players anyway question of the days listeners at unc sam soccer pod love your feedback how confident are we in burhalter and co after two ugly losses heading into the gold cup which opens this weekend and i think it's right to question burhalter my confidence level has always been around out of five and based on these two results and i think jake you and i will disagree on this my confidence level is still around a maybe a four it has not gone down that drastically. I have no reason to be confident in this team right now. I, I my confidence is at an all time low. I does anyone really like? I'm going to throw this out right now. I'm going to say it. Here we go. Oh no! Is this team in a better place now than it was under Dave Sarakin? Oh, God, honestly, don't say that. Don't say that honestly, man. answer that. Oh. Why don't you answer that to me? Did, did you, Armand, you were the, you you led the charge on the anti Dave Sarakin bandwagon. Do you look at this team and go, yeah, they're better than when when Dave Sarakin was running the show? I think it's tough to compare it though, because under Dave, there was no pressure to do anything. It was just all right, play when you want in this four one four one. Ready, set, go. Now there's pressure, and these guys are cracking, for lack of a better word. I guess you could say no, but I think it'd be unfair to compare the two. I think my confidence level, personally, it's much lower because I was because we recorded this on Monday. Uh, yesterday, I was at the Mexico Ecuador game and I saw a experimental, or if I'm talking to other Mexican journalists, rotated Mexican side come back, uh, respond respond to goals, and you know take a three two lead and beat. Ecuador. It was impressive for for lack of a better word. And you know what? They showed a fight. They showed a will that I have not seen for the United States. They played Tata's system as depth players, not as starters, key. Mexico is missing like four of the best players in their pool right now. And they've been beating the same competition the U.S. has failed to even compete with. Uh, I guess if you want me to put a number on it, I'm at a two. You're at a two right now in yeah. Burlington and Co. Oh, that's a, yeah. I, I find that fascinating. Um, guys, at Barstool Sam tweeted this out, and it seemed to get quite a bit of a liking from soccer fans. Stop, breathe in, breathe out. Greg Burlington is a smart guy and a good coach. Judging this version of the U.S. men's national team based on two essing friendly performance played without our best players is silly. Don't do it. These are glorified practices. Wait to see how they look in games that matter. First of all, here's my issue. is We always use this excuse with these friendlies. But the U.S. men's national team does not play many games that actually matter. This is not like in Europe where you have now suddenly the Nations League matter. Where you have European qualifying that leads into the European Champions League that suddenly kicks off World Cup qualifying to the World Cup. European nations are constantly playing games that matter. 
the Conobol nations, their World Cup qualifying process is a vigorous test. The U.S. have such a walk in the park when it comes to playing games that matter. The Gold Cup is not that significant. It's not. And with the 2026 World Cup, you'll have qualifications for 2022. If they qualifying the World Cup, you have the Gold Cups that get sprinkled in between that. And then you have glorified friendlies until the World Cup in 2026 that gets hosted here in America. So we need to stop and actually look at these games and say, yes, they do matter. And the performances that do matter, because Armand and Jake, you're saying the players suck. And these players, to me at least, appear like they don't really care. Wearing the jersey does not matter. That's the impression I have got from a lot of these players and watching them. It seems like it is cool that they represent America, but it's not something that other nations or players of other nations really matter. I mean, look at the Mexicans. It means so much that they get to represent Mexico. When's the last time you can say that about American that they put on that jersey and said it meant something to them? Christian Pulisic, when he cried on the field against Trin- the loss against Trinidad and Tobago, knowing that he's not going to be at the World Cup. I mean, that's it. That that's probably the one, right? That's, it's Christian Pulisic. And before that, Clint Dempsey, probably. Yeah, I mean, by the way, Steve, I want to mention um, that Concacaf is coming out with their own version of the Nations League, and it's actually starting up uh, relatively soon. Uh, the yes, U.S. is point. in the group with Cuba and uh, Canada, and it'll be the same set, uh, same format as the uh, one in Europe, uh, where okay, the top four here, will advance. Here's the here's the issue for the U.S. That's fine that they can make games that matter. It's not competitive. Yeah, it's I know not competitive. Yeah, exactly. that, it is not like Cuba or even Canada is somewhat going to push the U.S. The U.S. only has maybe three or four nations in this region that really push them and that's mexico it's costa rica maybe panama or honduras it it cycles through they you know every now and then you have a a nation that has the right set of players that come up through the system or a generation of players that push and that there it is but the staple of Concacaf is always the u.s and mexico and leading into this gold cup listeners tweet at us what your confidence is that's the question of the day Armand sits at a two. Jake, you're sitting at what again? Uh, about a one or a two. A one or a two. I sit at a four and say, okay, fine. If if I'm going to sit here and breathe in and breathe out, let's see what happens with this gold cup. But here's the issue. Over the last six months, at what point have you said that the U.S. is actually going to look like a team that is determined to do something in this gold cup? Yeah, they've won a couple games since... Berhalter's taken over in these last six months. They've obviously dropped a few too. But there's nothing I look at and go, wow, look, look at look at what the U.S. is doing. Isn't this cool? This is exciting. They're they're putting putting this culture, putting this system in place. Things are trending upwards for the red, white, and blue. I, I have not felt that since he's taken over. And I want to ask you guys this. Wait, wait. I actually want to pause there for a second because I want to recap who the U.S has played over the last six months. It's Panama, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Chile, Jamaica, and Venezuela. It's not like the U.S. have been pushed. I mean, it it seems that Burhalter can't get the right cycle players together because of scheduling, whether it's the European players or the MLS players. Or fitness. Or fitness. What excuse is that? 
He's blaming fitness? I think Taylor Twillman, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he has a great point. <laughs> the MLS players are in the midst of their season, and European players are at the end of their calendar season. They should be fit. Blaming fitness is Burhalter covering for the players and their terrible and ugly performances versus Jamaica and Venezuela. It is plain and simple. He has nothing to say, so he's going to blame fitness. Are you kidding me? Yeah, fitness, uh, that that wasn't a fitness thing. That was the mental errors. That was a team not prepared. That was a team just going through the motions. You can blame fitness all you want, but Mexico has been hitting much worse than the United States has. They're going to be at that with arguably the hottest player in the Mexican pool, Carlos Vela, who doesn't, who just said, I'm on my own participate in the Gold Cup. They're going to be without Hector Herrera. They're going to be without Miguel Layun. They're going to be without Chicharito. They're going to be without Chucky Lozano. I can go through all this list. And yet, Tata is saying, ah, fitness. Tata's Excuses. getting results. Excuses Tata for the U.S. getting results. He's getting results. This is just an easy deflect and an easy excuse. Fitness. Yeah, we need to get fit because fitness solves everything. Um, and that's very obvious, right, Greg? No, it's not fitness. It's something a lot deeper. If only Tata could uh, have interviewed for a job. If it, only Tata, English. you know, speaks English, you know? If only he knew English. All right, let's get your guys's take on your most frustrating players to watch these last two games before we wrap the show up here. Armand, let's start with you. Who did who did you find just just awful to watch these last two games? Zardes. Uh Jake, we talked about it on the off the off the mic. Uh how I was worried if Josh Sargent potentially busts how weak the uh, forward pool is for United States. Zardes is not showing to be that guy, you know? Uh I saw him he couldn't take defenders on one on one. He's very He's he's pressing, man. I don't know what he. I don't know if that's a Burhalter thing because if it is, it's on Burhalter. But he's just running around. Like sometimes he wasn't even in the middle to get the ball. It's like tap it in, and like look, uh, it was pointed out to someone to me. I've mentioned this a couple times on the show that in the crew system, he wasn't involved in the build up play. Yeah, sure, let him not be involved in the build up play and let him score goals. But he has to be in that position, right? He's not even in that position. If Altador goes down, which hopefully he won't, he has a very huge injury problem. It's gonna be a big. It's gonna be a bit of a problem when you have Zardes running around. Altador will fit Burhalter's system fine. Zardes does not. Zardes is one of those weird trusted guys that Greg has, and he's not even excelling in the system. Hell, I don't even know. But he's, he shouldn't even. He, there's no way he should have started. Um, I mean, they're kind of forced. But look, if Altador goes down, the U.S. is screwed uh, at a forward. Thing. They might as well put a false nine up there because I don't think Zardes is good enough to be uh, in, that, in that system, especially when he's not in the right position. Like, come on, man. Do your one job. Be in the right position. Tap in. Score. It's not even there sometimes. It's kind of a joke. Ah, uh, Will Trap. He has a couple good games or some some decent games. Obviously, he's a focal point in Berhalter systems, and then he just lays an egg in the middle of the field in Cincinnati against Venezuela. Yeah. I'm done with you. See you later, Will Trap. Find somebody else. His time's up, Burhalter. Find somebody new. Give him six months off. I don't know what you do. Yeah, for me, like Steven, like you said, it's Will Trap. Uh, back to my argument when we started off the show. 
he's played in this system. He knows what he needs to do to be successful in this system. It's not like he was just thrown into this a week ago and he's learning on the fly. He has familiarity with Greg Berhalter's system and what he needs to do as a player, and he is not doing it. And yes, we rip on Will Trap a lot. He's easy to rip on. Yes, he is not of international standard when it comes to a national team. But regardless of that, Will Trap is still better than most of the players that were fielded by Jamaica, and he was good enough. At least, he is good enough to at least hang with the players that play for Venezuela. It's not like we asked Will Trap to go play against Brazil or to play against France or to play against Italy or any other team in Europe, any any super power in Europe or South America. He was playing against Venezuela, and he looks out of sorts. He cannot make the correct pass. The U.S. has not looked dangerous at all in the final third of the field. I'm not sure if that's on Will Trap to blame, but I know he's part of the problem. And for me... And I get it. It's an issue of depth, too. There's not much behind Michael Bradley either. You can talk about, you know, Josh Sargent bombs out. The U.S. is screwed. Well, if Michael Bradley goes down. The U.S. is also screwed, too, because it looks like it's gonna, looks like all roads lead to Will Trap after Michael Bradley. For me, I'm sick of watching Will Trap, though. He is the player that I found most frustrating. All righty. Well, we also threw out this question on Twitter. Currently, how far do you see the U.S. men's national team going in the Gold Cup after the two ugly pre tournament friendlies losses Jamaica and Venezuela and 46% said the group stage is how far the U.S. men's national team is going to get now we're going to wrap the show here in the minute but guys have expectations changed with the U.S. men's national team headed into the gold cup after what we just saw no win the damn thing win the damn thing and all the critics disappear, they'll go away for a little bit. But if you don't win it, they'll be back. And they'll be bigger and better than ever. And they'll be in your ear. And Greg said, hey, you know, like we all know what the narrative is. We're not going to make it. We're just going to deal with it. We don't care. Just saying, if you don't win it, it's going to be a lot worse. A lot worse than what it is right now. So you think failure is anything but winning it with what just happened? They should. I don't give a look. Well, you I said was, that with the U.S. youth national team, and they bowed out in the quarterfinals, they, they where they typically are uh, bowing they out. They should. They should. Where's the U.S. typically bow out in the Gold Cup? Well, the final. Okay, there you or go. The semis. The final. The final. There you okay, go. but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the reaction is if they lose the final. If that's really progress, because I think the U.S. could have beat Venezuela three nothing, and I would still said the same thing. And we're still saying so why, should, why should expectations change? Exactly. Why should they? They shouldn't change. They shouldn't. I think this is a reaction of people. I think they should be expected to make the final. Like if they don't, anything else is a failure. I think. Okay. <laughs> yes, they should be expected. They should be expected to make the final. But after watching those last two games, do you expect them to make the final? Like, do you really think? I still think they get to the semifinals. I really do. Because the competition, this Gold Cup is poor. It's not like they're going up against Argentina, Brazil, and France. You're right. But they also just lost to Jamaica. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I I mean, you can say the competition's not good, but they literally just lost to Jamaica. But I think, I think, uh, uh, adding a player... Like Pulisic Adams can get rid of that loss against Jamaica. 
I do. I think. Oh, you better hope. Negate, you better yeah, hope. I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It should. That should negate that. But the one against Venezuela. I know. Uh, Armand, here is the flaw in that thought. Before we wrap up here, really quickly, if you eat Christian, if you eat Christian Pulisic to beat Jamaica, you're in a whole world of trouble. But that's all you need for Gold Cup. Semi-finals the best. It's probably the farthest they go. I would not be shocked if they get it if they if they don't even make it out of the group. To be quite honest with you, this team looks terrible. I'm not expecting much. Maybe quarterfinals. That's it. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Follow Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Jodaran and Amar Kafai at Amar Kafai. You can follow myself at Jake Watroba. Don't forget our interview with Las Vegas Lights owner Brett Lashbrook will be coming out here uh, later on this week. So be on the lookout for that. For Armand, for Steven, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card. And after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa, so I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details. Yellow Fan for Sprint, May 29, 2019. ADIDYEFS1166000 iPhone XR logo IB Sprint 30. Right now, Sprint has a great deal. Double the fun. Buy the latest iPhone and get an iPhone XR on us. All you need is approved credit and 24 month installment billing. No trade in required. Visit a Sprint store, sprint.com, or call 800 Sprint 1 today iPhone 10 R 64 gigabyte 3125 month second phone $0 after 3125 month credit apply within two bills requires two new lines of service if cancel earlier remaining balance due coverage and offer not available at lower $30 activation fee restrictions apply tax to its head.